Welcome to the message podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Make sure you join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road and a new campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, at our Harrisonburg campus, we have a Spanish campus that meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. Check out our website, cotnaz.org, for more information. Mary, she was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have, like, I can't say it good. Mary, you're going to have a baby. I, you're going to have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager. I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. (laughs) A camel. Oh yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. They tried to go to a hotel and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms, literally no rooms. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay, stay is a staple. And then he just pointed the way and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, then they saw angels. The angels said, a new baby is getting born who is king of the Jews. The angel were singing. And then the shepherds said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wise men heard about it. And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, to have at home. Some diapers, and <laughs> some wipes, and some milk, some <laughs> shoes, some Jordans. Gold, Frank, and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably pooped because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby I ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. And there you have it.
the story of Christmas. <laughs> Did you catch the line at the very end? It was the, it's the best line in the whole skit. <laughs> the new baby is going to change the world. That's the truth of Christmas. That's what we celebrate in this season. The story of a newborn king. We sing Christmas carols. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. It's Christmas. A story filled with surprise and filled with wonder. The culmination of generations of anticipation and longing for the day that God would step into our story, the human story, in a new way. The fulfillment of God's very promise to bring salvation, to bring redemption to his people. And so with that this morning, friends, I welcome you to our Advent series, The Newborn King. Throughout this Advent season, we are seeking to understand a little bit more deeply, a little bit more personally maybe even, what it means that the coming of Jesus was the advent of a king. And not just any king, but our king. And I know that within our democratic context, it's a little hard to wrap our minds around what it's like to live under a king's rule. Because we're used to getting a vote, we get a say, we have influence in what happens. But under the rule of a king, what the king says goes. Living under the king's rule, your whole life is guided and understood and under the authority of that king. So the king's plans for the future are, guess what? Your plans for the future because you are under his rule in his kingdom. So what does it look like this Christmas season to welcome Jesus as our king? Yes, we, we want to understand that for this Christmas season, but what will it look like in January and beyond to live and to know within this reality that Jesus is our king, the newborn king? As we begin today, we're going to journey through scripture just briefly to see that the coming of this king was not a last-minute write-in on God's part. This king was no accident nor was it coincidence. In fact, it was a promise. The coming of Jesus as king was really the fulfillment of God's promise to deliver his people, a promise that had been longed for by generations of faithful followers of the one true God. And this idea of waiting is a little foreign to us, right? Especially when you think about waiting for generations, that longing I mean, when we think of longing, like we think of a busy Chick-fil-A drive through right, when the traffic's all the way out into 33. You know what I'm talking about. Like that sense of longing comes, oh, where's my chicken? <laughs> right? Because chicken, waffle fries, and sweet tea, like that's something to be longed for. That's, that's our context for longing. We have gone to such great lengths to eliminate waiting, to eliminate longing, that it's a little foreign to us today. But this longing of generations of God's people to see the Redeemer come, to see Messiah is so much deeper, it's so much stronger, and it's infinitely more costly than a drive through Have you ever longed for something like that? Not Chick-fil-A, I'm sure we're all there together, but have you ever longed for something? Like there's a deep yearning in your heart that is always there. 
It could be for a new home, a new job. It could be for a relationship or reconciliation of a relationship. It can be so many things. But have you ever longed for something like that? Are you longing for something even today? The, the reality is, is that deep longing like that is a powerful force within our lives. It changes the trajectory of our life. It's the lens that we have to view everything from because that's where our heart is being pulled. It's where our heart is leaning even. So that longing changes our lives and it affects the future of our destiny. And so even within that, we get just this tiny little glimpse of the magnitude of anticipation in the hearts of God's people, longing for the day that Messiah would come. This longing for a Savior began all the way back where sin entered our human story. We read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the first promise. It says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. From that very moment, the longing for deliverance began. The countdown to Christmas was on in that moment. The promise was made. And, and we can trace this thread of promise, this idea of longing, of looking ahead, of anticipation. We can trace that throughout the Old Testament story of God's people. And, and we can see that through the father of Abraham, that this old guy with no kids was going to have so many descendants that they, they couldn't be numbered and that they were going to have their own land. It was a promise made and a promise fulfilled to Abraham. And we can come into the story of Moses and, and the deliverance of God's people out of the bondage of Egypt, and we see the promise continue and through the mosaic covenant we see all these religious rituals and rites pointing to the day that jesus would come that messiah would come and it would be different we see a longing and anticipation and in second samuel we read where king david like he was kind of the man right he was the guy that everybody looked to in that time frame and even to him it was promised that one day through his lineage there would come a king whose rule would never end the promise was in place. Just this morning, we lit the first Advent candle that symbolizes hope. And it's called the prophet's candle. And it reminds us that, that the prophets throughout the Old Testament were longing in anticipation and they were speaking on God's behalf of the day he was going to do it differently, of the new covenant that would come and would no longer be on tablets of stone but would be written on our hearts. We read this every year at Christmas. The prophet Isaiah says in chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Thousands of years of ups and downs, generations of longing hearts, of anticipation, longing for that day when God would break in and do a new thing. And the miracle of Christmas today, friends, is that's exactly what happened. The culmination of centuries of waiting, of longing, breaks onto the scene in Christmas, in the coming of our King. And we know the rest of the story. This babe would grow up and he would go to the cross and we would find victory and forgiveness, victory over sin and death. And we can know him personally and intimately. Jesus as Lord, Jesus as King of kings. And we are his people. We're called to live in that victory now 
longing for the day when we see its ultimate fulfillment when Christ returns, the promise is still in effect. As we step into the Christmas story in Luke chapter 1 today, that's just a little bit of run-up. That's just a precursor to the idea of the waiting that was behind the story we're diving into. The longing, the anticipation, the looking, the waiting that is about to crash on the shores of humanity. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 26. As we begin today, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Let's pray before we dive into scriptures. Lord, um, we don't wait for a lot. Um, God, we've got Amazon Prime. We can have it in two days for free. But Lord, the story of Christmas is the culmination, Lord, of centuries, of generations of longing hearts to see you come. Lord, as we step into your story today, will you help us to see? Help us to see the miracle of your coming, Lord. Help us to see. Lord, we want to be true worshipers today. We want to be worshipers. Will you guide us in the ministry and the power of your spirit as we dive into your word? And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, we're going to read to 27 and drop some commentary in. So we're going to just work our way through it this morning. So verse 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So in this beginning, we really see Luke giving us the where, the when, and the who. This is kind of a factual thing, right? So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, uh, Luke has introduced us to John the Baptist's mother. And so that's Elizabeth, and she's six months along. And we know that John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus, but he was also the forerunner, the one who was prophesied to come before Messiah. And so in this reality, in the news of John's coming, we see a breakthrough. We see a ray of hope coming into and onto the scene of our story. The silence had been broken from hundreds of years of silence on behalf of the prophets between the Old and the New Testament. The announcement of John the Baptist's coming was the first ray of hope that we see. And so next in this story, we're introduced to Mary and Joseph, a couple from Nazareth. Now, they're pledged to be married, and in that culture, that's a little different than the way we might do things. Uh, the groom-to-be would go and make an arrangement with uh, the bride's father, and they would come to terms or whatever that would be, and they would enter into a legally binding agreement. They were betrothed to one another, and for that year, for that time frame, they were as if they were legally married. They could only get out by legal divorce, but they had not gone through that final ceremony. They had not consummated their marriage yet. So that's the anticipation, the season that they are within. And within our story, as we're already introduced, it's been mentioned that Mary is a virgin, and Luke and Matthew both go to great lengths to emphasize this detail because it's a key piece of theology in what we believe about who Jesus is as the Son of God. And we don't exactly know when this story takes place. We don't know how old Mary is or how old Joseph is, but traditionally within that culture, Mary would have been a teenager. She was on just the cusp of her life looking ahead to what her future might be. And so within these first couple verses, the stage is set. So let's dive back into our text at verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is 
with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Can, can you imagine for a moment, maybe, maybe Mary was doing laundry like we watched in our video a little bit ago, whatever she was up to, but can you just imagine for a moment, you're going about your day, you're doing your thing, and woo, Gabriel. An angelic being in all his glory and light brightness. Can you imagine? Boom, in the room in an instant. Terrifying, right? And that must have been Mary's response because it says she was greatly troubled and the look on her face must have been of sheer terror, like white as a ghost kind of thing, right? Because Gabriel moves immediately to begin to console her to say, no, 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 it's, it's okay, this is a good visit. But just imagine that moment. And within Gabriel's announcement, we we get to see a little bit. We get a peek behind the curtain of Mary's character. She's highly favored. She is blessed, and we read that God is with her. And so within this, we, we understand there's no doubt that God has chosen, has selected a special young lady, a faithful follower for which he's going to bring this promise to life. As a faithful young Jewish girl, I I can't help but imagine that Mary's ears began to perk up a little bit when Gabriel told her that the name of this son was to be Jesus. Now that's significant because Jesus was a translation of the Hebrew words which meant the Lord is salvation or quite simply Savior. So Gabriel has just said in that moment the son you are bearing is the fulfillment of the promise you've been longing for. This is the moment. This is the son that we have been waiting for. And in that moment, can you imagine the tidal wave of emotion, the tidal wave of anticipation that crashed upon the shores of her heart and her mind at that moment? What was she thinking? This is the moment. This is the promise. And from a subtle hint, Gabriel moves in verse 32 and 33. He says, he will be great. So he's talking about who this son is. He says, he will be great and will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So from just a little snippet of the name and the meaning of Jesus, we have the full revelation of who this baby is and what he has come to do, what that will mean within our story. We, no doubt Mary, Mary would have heard in that moment the promise made to King David of that descendant that would reign forever. No doubt Mary in that moment understood that Gabriel was talking about the prophet Isaiah's fulfillment. She was going to see, she was going to be a part of the story coming to life. In that moment, she knew the newborn king had come. Thousands of years of anticipation, longing, yearning, coming to fulfillment in the spoken word of an angelic messenger brought to life by the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In commenting on the birth announcement as it's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, author and commentator Donald Hagner writes it this way. He says, the focus of attention in the birth narratives is not on the birth itself, but rather on the significance of the child and the role he will play in fulfilling God's will. 
So what he's saying there, it's not really about the manger. It's not really about no room at the end. It's not really about any of those things. It's about the baby boy being born and who he is in God's story. That's Christmas, friends. That's what we celebrate. Is God coming in a new way? To bring redemption, to bring reconciliation, to bring the law written on our hearts and new life through Christ Jesus. That's Christmas. That's what we celebrate in the coming of a newborn king. It's the unfolding of a promise of a savior for you and for me. That's something to celebrate. If I'm honest with you today, the simplicity of that message, the simplicity, but yet the profoundness of that truth, I can sometimes miss. I can miss that we're celebrating the newborn king. I can miss the unfolding of this promise, and I can miss the thousands of people, the generations that would have been longing to see the moment that we get to live in. I can miss that. Basically what I'm saying is it's easy for me and my story and my walk to miss Christ in Christmas. Now, I acknowledge there is a partially true rumor about me that floats around that I'm a Scrooge around Christmas time. And I say partially true because it is true that classic Christmas music makes me turn the radio off and dragging junk out of storage to scatter it about the house only to put it away in a couple weeks does drive me insane. But however, I'm not talking about missing it that way. What makes it easy for me to miss Christmas and the beauty of the story and the depth and the power of the story is all the things right? Because I I don't know about you, but if I pull out my calendar on my iPhone and start flipping through December, like, there's so much stuff happening, like, a well of anxiety begins. Because there's so much stuff. And it's good stuff. It's all good. It's fine. But if I'm honest today, it's so easy for me to miss Christmas because of all the things. So I I find myself often, and I don't think I'm alone, but I find myself often rather than celebrating and worshiping the coming of a king and diving into the story and studying and reflection, rather than spending time there and in worship, I, I find myself admittedly a little agitated, quite a bit anxious, and really just longing to be on a boat somewhere in the middle of nowhere. It's easy for me to miss it. And, you know, as I began to read the Christmas story, I I began several months ago to just dive into the Christmas story. And as as disciples and followers, I encourage you to try that. Like, next July, read the Christmas story and study it out of the busyness of this season and just sit there in it. It's beautiful. Free tip for the day. But as I began that several months ago and just looking through this Christmas story, I was reading Matthew 2 where he records the coming of the wise men, the magi. And as I'm thinking about this, I know like the me getting grouchy, scroogey at Christmas is not a new thing. Like I know this about myself. And as I'm reading this story, I I begin to see Matthew unpacking different responses to Christmas. To different responses to the coming of a king. And as I studied that, the story shows people who, who really got it, who came to worship. And it also 
in the background has people who missed it. And so would you turn with me there? I would love to spend just a few minutes reading that story. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read through uh, verse 11. Matthew chapter 2. Listen, listen to the characters in the story and their reaction. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, that's the religious folks, when he had called all those guys together, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go, search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report back to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. In verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Within this story, we see people that really got it, and we're confronted with some folks that missed it. The first account we get to is the response of the wise men, the magi. They have come from the east to worship the king. Now, now what we believe as you dive into this text and study, we believe that these were Gentiles. They were outside of the nation of Israel. They were outside of who was considered God's people at that time. But yet something about them, they were searching. They were looking for the coming king. And they would have been what, what we would have called an astrologist. They're looking to the stars and gaining wisdom. They're trying to gain information about world events based off of what's happening in the sky. So they had heard that this coming of the king was anticipation, was longed for. And yet when they saw the star, they knew they had to move. While they didn't have all the details down, they didn't have all the pieces put together of the story, they believed and they desired enough to travel and to move to come and see for themselves. They wanted to worship. They understood that the king, born king of the Jews, was going to change everything. They wanted to offer their gifts to the king. They wanted worship. The Magi, friends, did not miss Christmas. The next character we're introduced to in this narrative by Matthew is King Herod. Now, King Herod was the ruling Roman official over that providence uh, in the Holy Land there, and he was known to be ruthless and jealous, which is a horrible combination. He, he was ruthless and jealous. He notoriously killed anyone that he thought was trying to take his throne, anyone he thought was a threat to his rule and his sovereignty in his own mind. And this list of people that he executed included members of his own family, his wife. It included members of the local religious authority. He was ruthless to eliminate any threat to the way he wanted to rule and the way he wanted to do things. 
And so the news, within that context, the, the news of a coming king obviously didn't sit well. It ticked him off. And so he moves to eliminate that threat. He moves to be able to keep his way going. And Herod's response is an attempt to kill the king, to eliminate this threat. And he has conspired with the Magi. He says, oh, I, I want to come worship. But no, he really just wanted to eliminate Jesus. He had a negative, repulsive action because even the king Herod understood that the coming king was going to change things. And the last characters that we see in this part of the Christmas narrative are the religious folks, the leaders who are in charge of the scriptures and the teachings. They're, they're kind of tucked away in the back of this story. But you've got to remember, these were the guys, the, the folks who, who were in charge of keeping the scriptures. They, not everybody had these in this time, so there were only certain copies in certain places, and you had to go to hear the word. And, and so they're in charge of this. They would have known well the prophet Isaiah. They would have known well King David because he was still kind of the man that everybody looked up to. They knew the details and the intricacy of the knowledge, but yet they missed it. Because what we understand is that Jesus was born within less than a day's walking distance. It would be like if we were here and he would be born in Shenandoah. That's the walking distance you might think of today. And so the people who knew the prophecies, who knew the story, who knew the anticipation, when they got word of it, we have no record that they ever went to see for themselves. They missed it. They missed the opportunity to see the fulfillment of all the longing, of all the scriptures, of all the anticipation that their forefathers had been waiting for. They didn't go see. They missed Christmas. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Were their calendars full? Right? Were they hopeless? Had they, had, they, had they given up? Had they lost sight of what God was doing, that God was still in control? Did they lose sight because all they could see was Herod? What happened? What happened? Whatever the reason, and it could be many, but they missed it. They missed the opportunity to worship the king they had been waiting for. As the band comes today, will we be people that miss it? Or will we be people that worship? Will, will we seize this opportunity to move into a posture of worship and a surrender to the newborn king? Because, because we, we know the rest of the story that the king grew up and, and the babe grew up and, and he is our savior. He is an open invitation to know new life in your heart, to have his love, his law written on your heart, to know him personally. And we celebrate the moment that that promise broke through. Will we come and worship? Just like the Magi, like they had to pack up their tents, they had to pack up their food, their animals. They had to make an intentional effort not to miss Christmas. And I would propose today that we will have to make an intentional effort not to miss Christmas.
I mean, let, let's, let's do the trees. Let's do, let's do all the, I'm not trying to be down on any Christmas tradition, but I, I just am aware in my own story and our own busyness that it's easy to miss. And if we don't make an intentional effort to pause, to worship, to find time to not only read this story, but to get into it. Because what we see in, in the religious folks, is it's not enough just to know the story. You have to step into it. That's the invitation of Christmas, friends. Step into the story of the coming king. Allow him to be the one in your life. I mean, just contemplate the love. Because Jesus went from the right hand of the Father to all-knowing, all-present. He went from that level to being born, needing constant attention and diaper changes. Think of the love. Friends, can we enter this season in a heart posture of worship? Will we be intentional not to miss it? Not to miss the opportunity to worship the newborn king. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we... There's many things we don't understand, Lord. We don't really understand waiting for generations, but God... We want to worship. We don't understand a love that leaps out of the throne room of heaven to be born a babe, helpless. It's hard for us to comprehend that kind of love, but God, you don't call us to understand it, Lord. You call us to experience it. We don't have to know the details to get in the story. But Lord, we need to know you. And so, Father, we want to know you, Lord. The newborn king, we don't want to just know you as the babe in the manger, Lord. We want to know you as Lord of our lives. That we would live under your influence within your kingdom, Lord. That we could say what Jesus says goes for me. God, will you help us in the power of your grace to step into your story, Lord. Not to miss Christmas. Not just to settle for knowing the story. But, Lord, may we strive to worship to be in the story this season Lord, to celebrate and honor you as the newborn king lord we love you today and we are desperate for you and it's in your name we pray amen thank you so much for listening today you can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church when you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.